Okay, so hello everybody and welcome to the first in a series of webinars brought to you by PBS Teachers and Classroom 2.0. Tonight we'll be talking about the new film Looking for Lincoln and Evolving Understandings of Lincoln History and Race. It's a great pleasure to have you here. We have a very distinguished set of um, guests here to talk with you, but before I introduce them, I'm going to turn it over to Steve, who's quickly going to give you an overview of Illuminate and how to use the different tools during our session. So welcome, everyone. We're sure glad that you're here with us tonight. Uh, you are in a live a web meeting. Uh, there are some fun aspects to this. If you think that you might want to use the mic later to ask a question, you can go up to Tools, Audio, and run the Audio Setup Wizard. Uh, you're welcome to do that now. Uh, it won't um, mess you up in any way, um, but it does uh, make sure that your microphone is working if you want it to. Uh, if you look at the bottom of the participant window, you'll see some emoticons. There's a smiley face, a clapping hand. Uh, we hope you don't need the confusion button or the disapproval down hand, but you can use those during the session, and that's a great way to give the speaker some feedback. There's also a hand with a green arrow up, and that's for asking a question. We won't interrupt the actual session to take um, voice questions at that time, but I will try and make contact with you individually to let you know if, there's a, if you're having some kind of a problem to make sure that I can help correct it for you. Um, you can ask questions in the chat during this, this uh, live show. I'm going to be collecting those questions and providing them for, um, for Jenny to use in the Q&A session. Um, we're sure glad to have you here. Uh, Jenny, I'm going to move to the next slide. Um, there oh, yeah. may be a point in time at which Jenny will use the, uh, will ask you to click the green check mark. If you look at the top of your screen, you'll see a, a set of icons, and in there is a green check mark, and you can click that. And she's going to ask you to let her know that you have finished uh, the movies clip. There are a couple of uh, video clips, and she'll want to make sure that everybody, or at least most of you, have finished the clip before we move on. If you have any questions, do feel free to put them in the chat window. Uh, we're certainly glad to have you here, and I uh, hope that uh, you enjoy tonight's uh, event. Thanks, Jenny, and back to you. Great. And just one more housekeeping note. Um, if you have not done so already, please make sure that you have Flash on your computer. I'm going to ask Steve to just put the URL in the chat box now, um, because we will be showing video clips, and you'll need that. Um, to be able to, to view the clips. So um, someone just asked, where are the clips? Don't worry, we'll be taking you there shortly. And I see that Steve just put up the link. So if you are not sure whether you have Flash on your computer, you might want to go there to make sure that you'll be able to view the clips. Um, so thanks, Steve, for that overview. Um, this slide here gives you a sense of what to expect from tonight's webinar. As you see, there will be a Q&A section towards the end. So please feel free to use the chat box at the left of the screen to submit questions. Um, and do us a favor, when you submit a question, please let us know to whom it's addressed. Or if it's addressed to all of them, then um, that's great. Um, you can also raise your hand. And as Steve said, he will um, turn the mic over to folks. And, uh, We'll apologize in advance if we have a lot of questions. We may not get to everybody, but we will do our best to make sure that your questions get asked. So it's a great pleasure and honor to have with us tonight Dr. Henry Louis Gates, Jr., Peter Coonhart, and John Maggio. 
Dr. Gates is a distinguished professor and the director of the W.E.B. Du Bois Institute for African and African American Research at Harvard University. He's the host and writer of Looking for Lincoln. In addition to working on the film, Dr. Gates recently edited a book called Abraham Lincoln on Race and Slavery, a collection of everything Lincoln said or wrote about slavery and race to be published by Princeton University Press. The volume was praised by Lincoln Authority John Stauffer as an invaluable and timely book, indispensable for anyone interested in race relations in the United States, beautifully written and penetrating in its insights. Peter Kuhnhart is one of the film's producers. He also has written a companion book to the film called Looking for Lincoln, the Making of an American Icon, which contains more than 900 images, many from the renowned Meserve Kuhnhart collection. Booklist recently wrote, the Kuhnhart's work is sure to be one of the most popular books in the bicentennial effusion of Lincoln volumes. And finally, we're joined by John Maggio, who's the award-winning producer and director behind Looking for Lincoln. Last year, John produced and directed Growing Up Online, which investigated the private worlds that kids are creating online and the risks, realities, and misconceptions of teenage self-expression on the web. His films have been honored with the National Emmy Writers Guild Award and Cine Gold Eagle. Golden Eagle, sorry. Um, so Looking for Lincoln, which airs on the eve of Lincoln's 200th birthday, is a landmark two-hour special that explores the controversy, paradoxes, and contradictions surrounding our nation's 16th president. Our guests tonight will be talking about the film and addressing larger questions about both history and race. Anyone who watched the events surrounding the recent presidential inauguration knows that although we're celebrating Lincoln's 200th birthday, the man and his legacy are as relevant as ever. So this should be a very interesting conversation. Now I'm going to take you all to a clip that will introduce the film. Um, you'll see me, I'm going to use the web tour feature here. And you should all see shortly the Looking for Lincoln website. The first clip that we're going to show is, is actually part of a longer clip. It's the first clip that's loaded, so you should see an image of Abraham Lincoln from the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, the clip itself is six, uh, is sorry, eight minutes long, but we're, we're asking you to only watch the first two minutes. So Steve is going to set a timer for just over two minutes. And um, when I give you the word, you should push the, the arrow on your screen so that you can watch the first two minutes of the clip. And then when the timer goes off, I'm going to remove this web tour box from your screen. And um, we'll ask you to come back and to use the green check mark up top to indicate that you're back and that you've finished viewing the clip. So please go ahead now and press the arrow and watch this introduction to Looking for Lincoln. I don't have any sound.
Am I supposed to be able to hear this on my computer? Yeah, is your computer speaker up? Yeah, I can't hear anything. I wonder why. Well, I think you know how it goes. To use the computer microphone speaker, hang up this phone. <laughs> um, anyway. Okay, so it seems like a lot of people could view it, some people couldn't view it. Um, rest assured that if you couldn't watch the film, the, the clip right now, we'll be giving you the URL for where you can go and see it. In fact, one of the great things about the website for looking for Lincoln is that you can watch the entire film online. Um, and the lesson plans that I'm showing you later uh, include some downloadable video clips. So you'll have plenty of opportunities to go back and, uh, and watch the video after this presentation is finished. So um, now I'm going to start uh, by posing some questions. Uh, the first question I, I'm going to pose to all three of you, which is why you wanted to make this film. Well, Peter Kuhnhart um, first approached me. Peter and I made the African American Live series, which so many of you have seen, um, together, and, and Oprah's Roots. So we made three documentaries together. And Peter called me one day and said, it's Abraham Lincoln's 200th birthday, and I want you to host and co-produce this series. And I said, well, I don't know anything about Abraham Lincoln. He said, well, of course you do. I said, yeah, you free the slaves. You know, like, what, what else do I know? And he said, that's precisely why we want you in this series. And I was very reluctant to do it um, because I'd like to, to feel that I'm um, you know, deeply competent in a subject. And so I began to read uh, books about Abraham Lincoln and talk to people, and, and I was hooked. And I realized that two things, that Lincoln was enormously complicated, much more complicated than the simple mythic storybook Lincoln that I at least had been raised on, both in the classroom and within the black community. And second, that, um, that each generation of Americans since Lincoln's death, literally since the day Lincoln was killed, each generation of Americans has remade Lincoln in its own image in order to remake itself. Lincoln's myth is so capacious that each of us, no matter how different our ideologies or our beliefs, can find ourselves reflected in the mirror of Abraham Lincoln. Whether you're, um, you know, you can find Lincoln the atheist, Lincoln the American Christ, Lincoln, the ruthless politician, Lincoln, the great statesman, um, Lincoln, the tyrant, which many people in the South still feel, or Lincoln, the great emancipator and savior of the Union. And the list can go on and on. But Peter, I'm curious, why did you want me to do this film with you? Well, you know, Skip, I, I remember our first conversation, and, and you, you told me the story about how, uh, as you say, you, you didn't feel like you knew enough about it, but you remember very clearly as a young boy 
Reading the Reader's Digest condensed book version of, of Booth and, and the assassination of, of Lincoln. Yeah, Jim Bishop's 1955 book, The Day Lincoln Was Shot. And what a huge impact that had on, on, on your early life and your kind of imp your lasting impressions on, on, on who Lincoln is. And you know, it's interesting, and I think that 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 was that became almost symbolic for the for the journey of the show. That Skip Skip launched out on, uh, you know, that that was our starting point. And everyone he spoke with along this uh, along the way had a similar early memory, something that struck a chord as a child, and that lasted until today. And what Skip. What Skip was able to do was kind of break through that that artificial mythology that that so much, so many of us remember and have, and and kind of penetrate towards the truth. I, I to, to me that was the most exciting thing about our first conversation. Hmm. Well, I'm yeah, glad a, that you did contact me, and it's been. A, sorry. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I said, I'm glad that you did contact me because it's been like going back to graduate school. And who knew that Abraham Lincoln's most logical successor, in a way, in the history of the White House, <laughs> would be a black man who would actually win the presidential campaign. And that's amazing. So that we're making this, we're viewing Lincoln in the era of Obama and Obama through the, the lens of Lincoln. It's a... Very curious uh, historical just, juxtaposition. So I'm so glad that you did it, and that's why I wanted to make this film. Also, I wanted the real Lincoln to stand up. I wanted to find it. I found out so many contradictory facts about Abraham Lincoln that I wanted um, a chance to wade through this mountain of literature. And everyone on this phone, I want you to remember, there are over 14,000 books on Abraham Lincoln. More books have been written by, about Abraham Lincoln than anyone except Jesus. And each one has a different Lincoln. <laughs> and I wanted the chance to ask the real Abraham Lincoln to please stand up. So, um, I mean, this no, is a, to, uh, the, sorry, uh, this, I mean, it's a very interesting film because it, it's absolutely um, a look at the history and you have access to some wonderful historians, including Doris Kearns Goodwin, who take us along on this journey and help us to learn about this very complex person. Um, I'm curious, um, when for you, the real Abraham Lincoln did stand up. Um, how did you feel about that person? You talk about how he was a very, um, you had this mythical sense of him. Did you come away disappointed? Um, what do you take away from the process of having made the film? Well, for me, you know, I could only give you Henry Louis Gates's Abraham Lincoln. Um, the, the point of um, the, our sort of postmodern approach to this um, film is that Lincoln, there's some truth in all of the interpretations of Lincoln. It's not as if um, the Confederates are wrong or the black people are wrong or the communists are wrong. Remember, Fidel Castro's hero is Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> it's, it's that there is a little bit of Lincoln in each of these interpretations. And I would say, you know, when you watch the film, you'll be able to write and tell me what my Lincoln is, but I would say self-consciously that my Lincoln uh, is a man who wrestled with racism early in his life, a man who was against interracial marriage, who thought blacks were distinctly inferior to white people, and he said that clearly in his debates with Stephen Douglas. 
1858, and uh, he was against giving the right to vote to blacks, making blacks jurors, and he certainly did not believe that blacks should uh, be given arms and the right to fight in the early years of the Civil War. And, but he was always opposed to slavery. But he did that, for us, being opposed to slavery equates with being pro-black or for equal rights. But there were very different things in the middle of the 19th century. Abraham Lincoln, even a, um, a month before he signed the Preliminary Emancipation Proclamation, was negotiating with five black men, trying to get them to set up an independent Republican Panama. He met with them on August 14, 1862, at the White House and asked them to be the founding fathers of a new black country in Panama because he was about to free the slaves, and he wanted them all to leave. Now, <laughs> this same man, however, grew, and he grew uh, for two principal reasons. First of all, because the North was losing the war, and one of the reasons they were losing the war was that the Confederates brought their black slaves with them to the front. And he figured out that he had to free the slaves uh, in the Confederacy in order to, to um, prevent the white Confederates from bringing their slaves and having them aid them in the war effort. And two, he wanted the slaves to run behind enemy uh, northern lines and join the Union forces and fight against their former masters. And Abraham Lincoln, to the day he died, was loyal to what he called his 200,000 black warriors, and he believed that they were the margin of difference in the victory of the North over, um, over the South. The second major factor in his transformation was meeting Frederick Douglass. And you have to remember, there had only been one black man ever invited to the White House before Abraham Lincoln, and that was James Madison invited a black man in 1812 named Paul Cuffey. Well, Lincoln invited a lot of black people, but he had never met sophisticated or educated black people before. And one in particular uh, he fell in love with, and that was Frederick Douglass. And he and Douglass, uh, they met three times at the White House. And they became friends. And I think that between the 200,000 blacks who joined the Union Army and Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln be um, began to shed a lot of his very unfortunate negative attitudes about black people. So ironically, the last speech that he makes on uh, April 11, 1865, at the White House from the second floor balcony, he announces for the first time in the history of the American presidency that he supports the right to vote for a limited number of black men, the 200,000 black warriors, as he called them, and quote-unquote the very intelligent Negroes like Frederick Douglass. And who's in the audience? John Wilkes Booth. John Wilkes Booth is standing on the White House grounds. He hears his speech. He turns to the man next to him and says, that means nigger citizenship. And he says, I'm going to kill him. And by the way, Abraham Lincoln used the N-word in the early part of his career. And he, after 1862, we can't find any evidence of that. So my Abraham Lincoln, in short, shows a man who had unfortunate attitudes about race, even when he had the right attitudes about the institution of slavery, and grew while in office until finally he was killed by his own embrace of black people. So what do you think of that? I think uh, I'll just add one, one thing, which, which is that you know, in, one of the scenes in in the in the program is Skip meets with a a classroom of students who are learning about Lincoln, and 
he challenges them, and, the, and their teacher challenged them to think critically, to ask these tough questions, to not just accept the, the stereotypical view of, of Lincoln, the great emancipator. And the very process of thinking critically, to, to me, to me, Obama is an enormous teaching and learning opportunity. He's, he's made Lincoln come into the forefront and, 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 and be very pertinent. And to, to, to challenge students to think critically and poke apart some of these questions and to, and to ask about the N-word and to, and to not be afraid to go into the dark areas, that's what this program does. And that's, what, that's the journey Skip goes on. And I, I think it's a great lesson for for uh, for teachers and for students to kind of be brave enough to go down those paths. Peter, I would, this is John. I would add that um, if, if we remember in that classroom, at the end, after thinking critically about Lincoln and, and, and as you say, poking all of those holes, they revered him even more. You know, and you do because of his humanity, because of what he was able to do, how he was able to grow. And so piercing that myth, as Skip does in this film, is. Um, it's such an important tool, as you say, and hopefully uh, students can learn from it. Great. Well, this is. Um, let's let's go on to our next clip, which looks at this question of whether or not um, Lincoln was a white supremacist. Looks at his views on race, um, and then we'll come back and have uh, some more questions. But I appreciate very much um, your thoughtful answers so far, and certainly um, your you know thinking about these um, in terms of teachers and how this is, is relevant to them. So I'm going to use the web tour feature again. Uh, we're going to take you to our second clip. This is the longest of the clips. It's roughly six minutes long. Um, Steve will set a timer again. And um, when you come back, if you would be so kind as to use a little green check mark to let us know whether or not you successfully viewed the video, that would be very helpful for us. Um, what you'll need to do this time around is click on the link that says white supremacist question mark um, and that will begin playing the video for you. And um, the video itself is six minutes and six and two seconds long and so then we'll reconvene and um, talk about this clip and um, and have more questions for our guests. So you're going to play it for six whole minutes? Uh, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Mine disappeared. I didn't get mine. Mine disappeared too. Yeah. Huh. Let me see. Yeah, look, everybody's saying mine too. Read the boxes. It's all gone. Okay, it should be back. Oh, yeah, mine's coming back. So now if everyone will, sorry about that, if everyone will click on the link that says white supremacist question mark, uh, you should be able to watch the video. White supremacist. Oh yeah, there it is. Wait, with the profile of Lincoln? No, it's no, the right one below, below that. that. Oh, I got it. Okay, I got it. With Marion Anderson out front. Yeah, yeah. I still don't have any sound. Is there any reason why I don't have any sound? Does anybody know? Is there? Do you see the little speaker icon at the bottom of the player? Is that all the way up? At the bottom of the player. Yeah, if you're looking at the at the window that's open where it's playing, it's in the right hand corner. Oh, right hand corner. Where it's counting down, you see a little uh, volume control thing. Wait a minute. Counting down. Where it's you counting down. It. I just said pause and stop.
video done? No, almost. Four seconds. Okay, gang, what's now? The video's over. Yep. Someone about to ask us questions? Hi. Okay, so I'm going to stop. I see that we've got a number of green checks. For those of you who didn't get to finish the clip, um, I'm, I apologize, but I do want to keep moving while we have our guests with us. And um, rest assured that you will have uh, URLs that you need so that you can go back and watch the full clip later on. One hundred and forty-six. So um, our next set of questions. Um, Dr. Gates, uh, you, you asked that very um, compelling question, what's worth remembering about Lincoln? So I would, I would pose that to you and to um, Peter and John as well. Um, and our second question is, what advice you have for educators in terms of, of teaching about him and his role in U.S. history? So um, I know well, that Peter okay. already touched on that somewhat, but we'd oh, love to hear more. Let me take more. a crack at the first one. And then Pete and John, you, you can jump in and you can take the second one, but what, to me what's worth remembering about Lincoln is that he was very much a man. He was very much a human being. He's a man who suffered deep depressions, deep melancholia. Uh, he considered suicide when his first lover, Ann Rutledge, died. He also was a man who visited, a, a, we have at least one documented case, he visited prostitutes. Um, you know, he, he was a normal guy. He liked to tell dirty jokes. He um, also told darky jokes and went to blackface minstrel shows and, um, you know, he fought with his wife and they had a, when he finally got married and they had a difficult relationship but they, they slugged through and stayed together. He lost two children um, in, you know, at very young ages uh, to a death to disease. Um, he was one of the most unpopular presidents <laughs> in the history of the White House for a long time when the North was losing the war. He suspended the writ of, of habeas corpus in the way that you'll see him. I interviewed President Bush. And President Bush loved, and I interviewed President Clinton, as you'll see in the film. And they both loved Lincoln, but they loved different aspects about him. And Bush loved him because he was an unpopular war president. And they both, in effect, suspended the writ of habeas corpus. Um, it's important to know that Lincoln, Lincoln's martyrdom forced everyone overnight to forget all the bad things that they thought about him, um, but that he was enormously complicated. And still, for all that complication, is our greatest president. And I think, you know, I was engaging in the, the chat, chat room with a couple people about what's inappropriate to teach. I think it's better to teach our heroes with um, clay feet, to teach them with flaws, because then a kid can imagine being Lincoln. If you think Lincoln was Superman or the American Christ, then you think, well, I know how, how inadequate I am. I could never be like the great Abraham Lincoln. But if you say he was a man 
who cried and suffered and got depressed and doubted himself and educated himself and et cetera, et cetera, then people say, well, heck, that's just like me. Maybe I could be Abraham Lincoln. What do you guys think, John and Peter? I agree. You know, and we have a we have a great scene in the film that speaks to exactly that with um, the author Joshua Schenk, who is someone like most of us who grew up on the Lincoln parables, you know, which are you know all, all the myth making that, that we all grew up with. And and here's a guy Schenk who, in the in the depths of his own depression, picks up some books and starts reading about Lincoln's own depression. And it and I think it gave him strength. It gave him purpose. Uh, and in a way, it gave him a muse. I mean, he went on to write this incredible book about his melancholy. Um, but, you know, that is so critically important to kids today. I mean, you know, we're picking up on something Peter also said about thinking critically. I mean, there should be no harm, especially in the Internet age, where, you know, it's almost, it's almost impossible to teach kids information. Now, they have information at their fingertips, unlike the, what we had. And so you have to teach them those skills of thinking critically. And, to, and, and the best way to do it is to be to, open and honest, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement. I'll, I'll just add one more um, story, which is uh, our show really begins with Skip exploring um, the William Herndon papers. And, and William Herndon was an old friend of Lincoln's who, after Lincoln died, decided he would collect the real stories about his friend, and he 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 conducted the the first huge oral history program in this country, and he wrote letters and he visited people and he compiled uh, many many first per, first hand descriptions of what Lincoln really was like, and those descriptions in the era when Lincoln was being mythologized were too real and too too uh, raw almost for the country to accept. So they were kind of pushed in the background and discredited by many historians. But we've now come to realize that this is a glimpse at who this real man was and that it's correct to, 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 to try to understand him through this, through this wonderful archive of, of descriptions. So I think what William Herndon did is essentially what Skip was trying to do in the 21st century. Absolutely. So then, my next question, and I'm 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 definitely interested. Um, uh, this question is is posed to Dr. Gates, but I'm also very interested in in John's insights on this, especially since he um, directed Growing Up Online and has thought very deeply about this generation of kids and um, and how they like to learn and interact. Um, so the question is how um, how you, Dr. Gates, and your students are using the web and other um, digital resources, other technologies to access information. Um, how do you how can you use these to um, to learn history? Because I think one of the points you make in the film that's that's so um, important is that history is always changing, and we need to be continuing to learn and to investigate what we think we know about historical figures. Well, in, in, at Harvard, I, I don't know about at your institutions, but the whole campus is, is wired so that if I, I, I teach a lecture course, <clears throat> Introduction to, Af to African American Studies, and this semester it had 120 kids. Well, I have 120 computers on uh, every class. And people are surfing the web while I talk. They are um, looking up references. They are 
commenting back and forth to each other. Some of them are probably looking at porn sites. You know, <laughs> you know, who knows what they do? You cannot, you cannot stop the flow of information. Because some of them are probably watching them, the Colbert Report. But the point is that everybody is wired, communicating with each other, interacting, and I find that very exciting. In the same way that we're doing in this little left-hand box on the screen, except in a in a broader way. And so many, I used to dream about being able to access, um, like if, if I heard a teacher talk about, let's say, Jesse Owens um, uh, at the Hitler Olympics in 1936, now you just type in Jesse Owens and you can watch it. You can watch it while I'm talking about it right now. That's amazing. That the computers just save so much research time so that you can spend your time in speculation and interpretation. And that's how we use it primarily. I, it, from a filmmaking standpoint, one of the things I got in um, really in depth with on, on growing up online was this understanding that kids are almost, um, in a way, they're like digital architects in many ways because they have so much media. They consume so much media on a given day and they have so much of it at their fingertips. So you know, there's an incredible opportunity to tell a kid that if they want to learn about Abraham Lincoln, to go and get the raw materials from online. You can now go and get pieces of our film, and you can mash them up, and you can tell your own story. But, but in the process of doing that, you're learning so much more than if a teacher is sitting there droning on and on, reading from a textbook. Um, so the, the, way I, the things that I saw um, education changing was in that. It, it's, 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 it's so much more hands-on. Kids were making videos about whatever interested them and posting them on YouTube. And other kids were commenting on that. So, so not only are you creating something, which, which you would then have an investment in, and you've put all that energy into really understanding what you're doing, but you're getting instant feedback too. So I think it's incumbent upon teachers in school districts that have computers, I'm, I'm assuming a lot do, although I'm sure that's still a problem, to, to allow kids to harness those technologies and, and in a way sort of lead you down that path um, so that you understand it better as well. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, specifically about Lincoln, Lincoln was the first um, uh, president to, to really be photographed. I mean, there were, mm -hmm. there were ones before him, but Lincoln mastered this art of mass communication through photography. And the fact that Matthew Brady was and, and, and other photographers were covering the Civil War means there's an enormous amount of visual storytelling and, and understanding just by scanning the web and finding uh, uh, the visual stories of the Civil War era. So I, Lincoln is just a visually, it's a visual opportunity for kids. Great. Okay, so speaking of visual yeah. opportunities, uh, we have one more clip that we're going to show. This is a short one. It's uh, just over two minutes long, um, or actually, sorry, it's just under, it's, it's two minutes and 56 seconds. And this one speaks to something that uh, Dr. Gates commented on earlier, which is Lincoln's tremendous capacity for change throughout the course of his presidency. So I'm going to put the link in the window again. Um, this page will look familiar to you. It's the same page we were on earlier, but this time you'll want to scroll down and click on the last link, which is growth and change. And Steve, if you would set the timer for just over three minutes, um, and, and folks would be kind again and uh, give me a green check mark when you're done viewing the clip, that would be great.
Okay, so here we go. Please uh, press the link and, and play the clip. What link is it again? I'm sorry. Link growth and change. Okay, so I am seeing a lot of green check marks. Um, again, I apologize to those of you who didn't have a chance to finish the entire clip. Hopefully, um, most of you did. And again, you'll have a chance to go back to the site and view it at your leisure after um, our webinar is done. Um, so, um, so some more questions. I mean, I think that's a really interesting clip because it it sort of brings us right up to this moment in our history. And I'd love to hear from any or all of you about um, you know, what your thoughts are about where we stand now as a nation in terms of race and politics and the presidency. Oh, you mean us? Yeah, you guys. <laughs> oh, I talked to my Peter. Peter is yeah, no. I'm sitting. I was sitting doing the chat room, <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow. I want to hear what they got to say. <laughs> I, I want to hear what Dr. Gates has to say. Well, I don't think that. Um, I think that all this stuff is rubbish about Barack Obama's election changing race relations overnight in America. The number of black children in poverty is exactly the same <laughs> today as it was. Two years ago, or well, no, it's worse today than it was two years ago. But um, I do want to say that it makes me proud to know that my fellow Americans um, are, were willing to elect a black man to vote for a black man. More white people voted for um, Barack Obama than voted for John Kerry, um, and that's a wonderful thing for me. I also think subliminally seeing a competent, brilliant, articulate black man so firmly in charge of the White House. I mean, when that dude stepped out, I was at the inauguration. When he came walking out of the, the building on that red carpet, he was the president of the United States. He had, that, he had his game face on. I said, go ahead, Barack. Barack said, and we will kill you, you know. <laughs> he was the man. And also seeing his an organic family, and not on a fictionalized family like the Huxtables, but a real, normal black family with four people in it and, a, you know, two Harvard-educated lawyers and two beautiful little girls. I think that subliminally that will help race relations. But I think it will be on a subliminal level like that. It's not going to be that all black kids are now going to stay in schools, not have babies when they're teenagers. You know, 70% of all black children are born to unwed mothers. That's horrendous. You know, we can't have that. We can't progress as a people. Will Barack Obama's election change that statistic? Well, not in and of itself it's not going to. So I think that we're poised for great change. We have the promise of progress, but how it will be actualized. Will they allocate money for schools? Will they spend... I've always lived in wealthy neighborhoods in my professional life. My kids have always gone to either the best public schools or private schools. Will um, the, the amount of money spent for inner city brown and black kids be, or, or I grew up in West Virginia, or poor white kids in the hills of uh, Appalachia, will that be the same as rich white kids in Scarsdale um, or Pepper Pike or you know, Shaker Heights or wherever it might be? 
will there be genuine school reform? Will the, all of you who are listening to me now, will you be paid what you earn, what you should be paid? You should make what I make at Harvard because you do the real work. Any idiot can teach the kids at Harvard because they're really smart and self-propelled. But you do the real work. Will the society, I remember when a teacher, my parents called my teachers Miss Smith and Mr. Jones. They never called them by their first name. And, if they, and they never questioned the teacher's judgment. And the society has devalued the very community that should be valorized, and that's all of our teachers. Will, if Barack is a leader that I hope he is, he will change our values about deferred gratification, the value of education, um, respect for education and learning. And um, I think that could be the greatest aspect of his, of his victory. Peter and John, what do you think? Well, I just just in terms of when you were talking about the subliminal effects of uh, of of his victory, you know, to me, as much as the poverty is as bad as it was, this the that what maybe it's one young inner city African American who looks up and sees that you know you could he could become president. I mean, that is a powerful, powerful thing um, that I was struck on struck with the the night that he um, that he won. Mm -hmm. Is that now somebody can look up there and say, "Wow, I really, it really could happen for me," you know, uh, which is you know unbelievable to me. Yeah, but John, we're we having the Italian president. You're Italian, that's what right? I mean. yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I so can't did it, make, did it make you want to run out and be president? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But I, you know what? I don't. I'm not sure that that that, that it'll happen in my lifetime. An Italian president, maybe Andrew Cuomo, but you know, we've got a lot of baggage. That's for another. It's a different conversation. But I mean, let's face it. That that. If it gives one kid hope, then that's an amazing thing to me that he didn't have, that didn't exist before Obama. That's true. What do you think, Pete? You know, there's a scene in this. There's a scene in this in the show where where uh, Skip Skip stands in front of the Freedmen's Memorial in Washington D.C., uh, the great statue that was built by contributions from freed slaves, and which is on this slide. I just. Terrific. Well, he, he and he asks people, passive buyers, who, what 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 it means to them. And I was struck, really, as a as a viewer and as a participant in this project, at the different responses to that statue from black people walking by and from white people walking by, and they were just they were completely <laughs> opposite one another. And yeah. and it, it you know one of the one of the one of the treats I've had. Working, working with uh, the, the team on this is, is to try to speak to both audiences and try to, and not not um, sell out on the black audience and not cave into the white audience and and to try to be truthful to 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 everyone listening and I th I, I think the tone that Skip has taken in this has achieved that. Well, thank you, Peter. Great. We, well, we um, wanted to. I mean, we wanted to be truthful. Sorry. No, please go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, we, we, we didn't want to be trashing Abraham Lincoln. We wouldn't, didn't want to be accused of trashing Abraham Lincoln. But we didn't want to tell a, a fairy tale either. You know, this is 2009. People are too sophisticated for this. Everything's on the Internet. So we, we weren't going to find a fact and then say, Oh, our children shouldn't know this about the great emancipator. You know, those days are over. 
anybody with a computer can find anything. I mean, whether it's true or not, as we've been chatting in the chat room. And you know, so your job is not to act like, as a teacher, these things don't exist or haven't been said. It's to put them in some kind of context. And uh, that's what we did with Lincoln's racism. And we put it in context and then showed him coming out of it, which also happens to be the truth. But it took a lot of work, you know, a lot of soul searching on my part to see, you know, what, I was very disappointed to find out uh, um, that Lincoln used the N-word. I didn't know that until I started this. Um, and I had to get over that. I had to work through it. It was like I had to go to therapy with Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> and, and we made it, me and O.H. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Almost killed, almost, almost killed a couple of our consultants, but we made it. <laughs> All right. So I'm cognizant of time, and I want to make sure that we um, get a chance to just show, show very quickly some of the great resources on the website and also then open it up to um, our participants' questions. So um, you'll see a screen here now that um, gives you the date of the film. It premieres on February 11th, so please check your local listings. Also, many, many uh, PBS stations are hosting local events in honor of the Lincoln Bicentennial, so please contact your local station to find out what they're doing to celebrate this day. Um, and I'm going to take you now with the web tour quickly to the site. Um, we've been on the site watching those clips, but um, Steve's going to put the, this URL in the chat window. The main, um, the main address for the site is just um, pbs.org slash WNET slash looking for Lincoln. And when you get to this main page, you'll see a video tab. If you click on that, that's where you can access the full film online. There's also a For Educators tab. And if you click on that, which will take us just a moment, uh, you come to a section that's been designed specifically for you. So um, in this section, we have four standards-based lesson plans designed to address um, social studies and language arts content standards. Uh, they are broken up by grade levels. So there's one um, for grades one through three that introduces students to Lincoln. Um, it involves a vocabulary activity and, and involves learning some basic facts about Lincoln's life. Uh, the, the one for grades four to five focuses on Lincoln's language, one of the things that made him such a remarkable leader. Um, the, the lesson for fifth to eighth graders is the one from which the clips we watch tonight comes, and that one focuses on Lincoln's views on slavery and involves students doing a fair amount of research and um, using some of the interactives on the site. And the final one for high school students um, is focused on Lincoln's um, decisions during the very difficult period of the Civil War and involves students using a very um, interesting and pretty um, complex interactive that was designed by the National Constitution Center. Now, if you scroll over to the right on this page, you'll see that there is um, a, an interview with Henry Louis Gates, Jr. talking about Lincoln's legacy. There's an interactive timeline, which actually involves a game where students have to rearrange events in Lincoln's life um, according to a series of themes to try to learn about Lincoln and test their, their knowledge about him. Uh, I'm not sure what just happened to the web tour. I'm going to take us back there. Yeah, mine just beat the dust. All right, we're back. Um, 
there's a quiz where, um, oops, I'm sorry, I'm just going to tell you this because it keeps clicking out. But there's a quiz where um, you can test um, your your knowledge about uh, Lincoln and sort of look at some myths and misconceptions. And then there's um, an interactive map that shows a whole series of Lincoln monuments around the country, which could be used for an interesting activity with students as well. So we hope that you'll go to the site after this event um, and check out all those resources. And of course, we hope that you will tune in on February 11th and watch the entire film because it's, it's definitely a very interesting film in its entirety. So now I'm going to open it up to questions. Um, Steve has graciously been collecting some questions to, so far. But if folks have questions now that you haven't asked, please use the chat window or, um, or raise your hand. And we'll try to, to get to as many of you as possible. So I'm going to start here with a. How much longer are we going to be on? Uh, we well, we're we're scheduled to be on until nine, so that gives us about three minutes. <laughs> Hopefully, folks will oh, bear okay. with us. Um, we'll we'll obviously not be able to okay. to ask all of the questions, but um, I'm going to go through and, and look at some of the ones that have been sent in so far. Uh, so we have a question here from Helen S, and it's a question for Dr. Gates, and she asks. When do you think that pertinent information about Lincoln's life, his change of heart, will reach our public school textbooks? And she says she's in New York City. Well, I think that one of the reasons that I do projects like this with Peter is that we're um, uh, very concerned about making attractive, accessible tools that can be put in the classroom. And in in my experience, it's a um, uh, you know, it, it takes a few years for the textbooks to change. But if people like you insist on using this PBS website and using our film, then you know you can change it right away. You know, you need the computer. You can create the textbook. That's what's so exciting about the internet. Hello. Hello. You're still on. I just I had to mute Jenny for a Hello. second. She'll come right back. Sorry. Yeah, there is someone decided oh, okay. to start vacuuming here, so um, I'm back. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Next question. <laughs> so let's see. I see a question here. Um, I think we only have time for one more, unfortunately. Yeah. Let's look at another one here. Um, so someone asks, Cindy D asks, will you ask Dr. Gates about how he addresses the validity of information with his students? Well, it's um, it's always tough. You know, you what you do is you know, we start with a reliable database because we know the the authors who are great scholars. You see what I mean? It's not like we're finding you know, if you say David Blight um, has a book, or David Herbert Donald has a book. These are um, fantastic scholars. They're honest scholars, though they might disagree with each other. So it's not really a problem. I won't let them, as I just wrote in the chat room about 15 minutes ago, they can't quote Wikipedia. They can start at Wikipedia, um, but they can't quote Wikipedia because it's unreliable. I mean, there's some articles on Wikipedia that are brilliant, written by some of my friends. 
But there are other ones that people just make stuff up. <laughs> so what we do is we vet or um, examine the sources that they're using, and we could and we could tell them honestly: this man's a Marxist, this man's um, um, conservative historian. Uh, you know, this man is gay, and says you know there's a book that Abraham Lincoln's gay. Well. Nobody knows what Abraham Lincoln did in bed with whom, but you know we can decide if this is a reliable source or not. Or, you know, that's part of the lesson of being a college student is to teach a, 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 a college professors to teach your kids to weigh and evaluate sources. So that's just what we do. Great. Are you willing to take one more question? Yeah, one more, and then I'm going to order some Japanese food. All right, sounds good. That's, you had a major change of heart from the comfort food you were talking about earlier. <laughs> um, so the question is from Pete. Well, you know what? I went out. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the question is from Pete George. No, I found the menu. Okay. Who, hey, Pete George. Who asks, what is your next project, Dr. Gates? Well, my next project, which um, Peter and John and I are doing, is called Faces of America. And the genealogy and genetics series have been so successful for black people. The white people come up to me on the street and say, how about us? So we're doing two Jewish Americans, two Arab Americans, two Latino Americans, uh, two West Indian Americans, two Asian Americans. Jerry Ma has agreed to be in it. Uh, Frank Gehry has agreed to be in it. Mike Nichols, who directed The Graduates, agreed to be in it. Stephen Colbert of The Colbert Report Zyrus has agreed to be in it. My friend Sarah Jessica Parker wants to be in it, but she's going to be in another series like it, so we don't know if that's going to work out. And the great Malcolm Gladwell, who's half black, his mother's Jamaican, is going to be in it. So, um, you know, we're really excited about this series, and it will air next February, with a little luck, on PBS. <laughs> great. Well, that sounds fascinating. Definitely look forward to it. So I want to thank all of our guests so much for joining us. Um, it's been a real pleasure having you here. And I can tell from all of the um, participants that, and all of the chat that folks have been very engaged. Yeah, I see that uh, Steve is giving a round of applause. If other folks want to use the emoticon and give a round of applause to our guests, that you're encouraged to do so. Um, I uh, will let oh, you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'll let you go um, if you need to. I would ask um, or just encourage folks to stick around for uh, another minute or so. We're going to um, go just give you a preview of the next webinars in our series, and then a couple other um, resources from PBS teachers. So um, up on the screen now, you see a calendar. You'll see that in February we're going to have um, a webinar called Teaching and Learning with Digital Natives. Our, our special guest will be John Palfrey, the author of Born Digital. In March, we'll be focusing on uh, teaching Shakespeare to 21st century students. We'll have some scholars with us from the Folger Shakespeare Library, and we'll be showing some clips and premiering King Lear, which will air on great performances in March. In April, um, we have a, a new set of resources created by the Cyber Chase Producers, which is a, an extremely popular math and science series for kids um, geared towards celebrating Earth Day. So we'll be featuring those in April. And in May, we're going to talk um, in general about um, effective integration of media and technology, and then look specifically at some resources from the producers of Jean-Michel Cousteau Ocean Adventures. So we, we hope that you will come back and, um, and encourage your colleagues to join us for those as well. 
Um, we hope that you'll visit our website where we have thousands of free resources um, from programs like Looking for Lincoln. We have all of the resources for African American Lives, which is a great set of lessons and um, interactives for students, and a, and a wealth of other resources for students as, as well. And as I said, they're all free and they're standards based, and therefore teachers in, uh, of pre-K through 12. Uh, we just launched um, last week a set of activity packs, which are theme-based widgets. So they are collections of uh, classroom activities and links to um, online resources from a whole series of PBS programs organized by theme. And um, they are embeddable on your site. So um, if you like one, you can grab it by clicking on the Grab It button on the lower bottom of the, of the widget. And you can put it right on your website um, and share it with colleagues and your students. Uh, we have an online community called PBS Teachers Connect, and we would love to have you join us there. We'll um, certainly be starting a discussion thread about tonight's webinar. We'll also be posting um, the, the archive from tonight's event there. So we encourage you to come and join the conversation about how you're using PBS content and media and technology in general to improve teaching and learning. Uh, and of course, we want to um, encourage you as well to become a member of Classroom 2.0, Steve's online community, which also focuses on uh, media and technology integration and 21st century skills. We want to thank Illuminate for um, hosting this event tonight. Uh, we certainly couldn't have done it without them. <laughs> and finally, I want to um, give you links. Um, sorry, I'm just. Uh, oh, and Steve is putting up now um, a slide. Oops, it went away. Maybe it'll come back. Um, so we have links here for um, if you go to PBS Teachers and or Classroom 2.0, you can get a recording of tonight's session. That'll be an audio as well as a video recording and a recording of the conversation that happened in the chat space, which was very lively. So uh, you can refresh your own memory, catch things that you might have missed, and, and please share that with colleagues. Um, so now Steve is going to put up a survey. We would love to hear from you um, about your experience tonight. We're always looking to make these sessions better. So if you would um, take the, the opportunity to, to fill out this survey for us, we would greatly appreciate that. Um, Steve, can you tell folks how they go about filling out the survey? Thanks, everybody, for a great evening. You can fill the survey out actually in the web tour right there, live, if you uh, want to do it right away. Or I've put the link in the chat room as well. And you're welcome to, to click on that and go to it uh, now or later. But we sure appreciate your feedback. Uh, Jenny did a great job. Thanks to Dr. Gates and the other guests. What, what a terrific evening. Thanks, everyone. Um, I'll stick around here for a, a couple minutes if folks have questions. Um, but uh, rest assured that uh, the, these links and, and recordings will be available. <laughs> we got it.